Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Open your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14 for me. We've been in a series called Digging Deep, Digging Wells, and we set it up, and if you haven't had a chance to go back, go back a couple weeks, I'd say about three Sundays ago, we talked about this, this fall season, I felt God was just going to stretch us a little bit, stretch our faith, take, take another step of faith a little bit, just a little bit beyond where we currently are, because God always has more, and he has an expectation for us to grow. And then, that was the first week, the second week we talked about, just in our life, the, the need to, we looked at a scripture where um, Isaac came and redug. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, Isaac came in, get my, my lineage correctly, uh, redug the wells that his father Abraham had dug. And so the Philistines, the enemy had thrown some debris in there. And so what his father Abraham had stood for, the wells that he had dug for his family on throughout his lineage or history, uh, the enemy, the world had come in, if you will, and just muddied the water a little bit. And so Isaac came to redig those wells, get that cleared out. So we're looking at some topics that I believe that over time, the, the enemy has just kind of come in maybe and thrown some dirt in there. And for some of us, it's just cleaning that out a little bit. Let's go back and to drink that well, from that well again, clean out some of the debris. For some of us, the reality is because we're new in Christ, or maybe you're the first one in your family history to really have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're digging the well for the first time. And I think it's so important, uh, let me just tell you why my, my mom on Wednesday night, I have a small group that meets up here on Wednesday night, mission prayer, we pray for the missionaries, and, and we were talking about some things, and we actually it was a phone call with my brother Jeff, who pastors in Audible de Vida in, in Mexico, and, and so when he got off the phone, we were just talking about the family history a little bit with those in the room, and, and she had mentioned, because our topic is the Holy Spirit, uh, today is actually the heavenly language you're speaking in tongues, and we'll get there in a moment, and so I'm so, I'm, I'm so happy for the, the family tree of mine that somewhere up in the upline had a, a received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and believed in all that and passed it down, if you will. And uh, my mom was saying, back in the 1930s, she has a newspaper article, 30s or 40s, in Joplin, Missouri, my family was all there, and my great-grandfather on my dad's side and another man, they helped uh, plant or start, found uh, Second Assemblies of God Church in Joplin, Missouri. But early on in the beginning of that stages, my great-grandfather and another man were arrested for speaking in tongues. And I thought, wow, I don't think we're much farther than that today, but, you know, I thought, I'm thankful for my great-grandfather just standing up for what he believed, and I'm drinking from the well today. Can I say amen, everybody? And so, I, I say that because I want to encourage you, maybe you're today just going to clean some of the debris out of the well of your family, or maybe you're digging a well for the first time that your children, children's children, children's children, children's children will drink from, and how important that is. And so, then last week we kicked off these two parts um, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, we'll review really quickly today, then we'll jump into today's topic, but I think it's important for us to understand. The reality is, when we talk about the Trinity, we all believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have an understanding of God the Father, pretty much, and we have an understanding of God the Son, Jesus, but most of us don't dig in or have an understanding or even a, a really relationship with God the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're all three important and vital. We just don't understand a lot of things associated with the Holy Spirit, or we've been told things that maybe aren't really even scriptural, or we've seen things that maybe really aren't even scriptural, some abuses or some overemphasizing or some underemphasizing, but understand that the Holy Spirit is an important relationship just as much as God the Father and God the Son. And so we need to dig in a little bit and understand it more than we currently do. And last week we talked about that some. I don't want to review all that, but I just want to say really the problem that a lot of us have, whether you were here last week or not, really is not whether we should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the packaging. 
It's the one piece that we really focus on. Because we can say, I I hear what you're saying about the Holy Spirit, and I totally believe that, Pastor Don, but what about this one piece, or really the hang-up, if you will, the pushback, is there's one piece of that, and that is the part of it that says speaking in tongues. And I want to kind of dispel some of those things for you today, or or maybe eliminate some of those arguments, or bring some truth to maybe what you've heard, or what you've just formed an opinion based on what somebody else has said, or what you've seen, and not really dug in there for yourself. And I agree with you, the packaging is the biggest turnoff, and I've experienced that in my life. Just let me tell you my story real quick. At about 11 years old, my dad would take my brother, my sister, my mom, and I to church, and he would drop us off. We went to a Baptist church in in Goshen, Indiana, and he would drop us off and come back. I don't know if he went to eat breakfast or came back and pick us up later when it was over, and he did that for a long time, and that's where I got saved. I don't know about you, but as a little kid in Sunday school, uh, we were actually in the main auditorium. Sunday school was called, I don't know if you were there, Sunday school was called Whirlybirds. Anybody ever in Whirlybirds remember that? In the Baptist? I know you're, you're embarrassed to raise your hand because I'm embarrassed to even say it, right? Because Whirlybirds was, they put a little beanie on your head with a little propeller on the top and it's like, yeah, then you wanted to come back. Yeah, I want to come. And so uh, sitting in service uh, one day, the, they gave the altar call and I walked up front. This is uh, t- maybe 10 years old, eight, 10 years old. Walked up front, gave my life to Jesus. And then uh, not long after that, my dad got radically rededicated. He, he was saved as a kid with his grandparents. As I just described, they were involved in church, and then summer times he would go, and they would take him to church, and he got saved as a kid, but walked away from the Lord, and then he spent two tours in Vietnam, two combat tours in Vietnam, and he prayed the battlefield prayer. Lord, if you bring me home safe and alive, I will serve you all the days of my life. Fortunately, he came home uh, safe and alive, and, and sadly, many didn't. Uh, he forgot that prayer and didn't walk with the Lord. In fact, dealt with a lot of the things that some of our veterans will deal with until he had to connect with God through a co-worker and then he radically rededicated his life. But when he did that, he knew there was so much more for God and he want, from God and he wanted everything God has that he wasn't satisfied with where he was. And so he remembered his childhood roots and we went to a church that I would describe as we all would, could think of this church, a holy rolling, holy ghost, tongue talking, spear filled, casting out devils, Run in the aisle, jump in the pew church. That's where, that's where we, I, my brother and I were like 11. I was like 11. He was 12 or 13. We thought my dad had lost his mind. What, what happened to you? Did you drink that grape Kool-Aid? Whatever that was, right? So we went, we went to the church, and I remember sitting in service one time, and after the, the, the minister was uh, preaching, after he finished, he gave a call for people to come forward to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. My sister raised her hand. We were sitting in a row, my brother, myself, my sister with my mom and dad. She raised her hand, so she got up to go, and my brother and I were just like, have fun. And my parents looked at us, and my dad looked down the row, and he said, boys, you get up and go. We're like, no way, uh-uh, I didn't raise my hand. I learned 17 ways. And Jeff's like, no, I didn't raise my hand. I'm like, I'm not. And he gave us that, I learned 17 ways to kill a man my bare hands will look from Vietnam. He'd give us that all the time. Yes, sir, yes, sir, right now. I mean, I may go meet Jesus right now. I don't know, but I... I'm ready. Yes, sir, dad. And so we went up there and they took us in a back room, right? It's like, we're going to do this. We prayed, taking the back room. Holy Ghost, spirit filled, tongue talking, jumping pew church. I thought we'd never see our parents again. They're going to shave our head, send us off to the compound, right? That's it. We're, we're, we're going to live in the cult or whatever that was. And so we go back in this back room and I'm there totally resistant and they're praying over me. They're praying individually. Someone's praying over me. And I guess they just wasn't getting it or whatever, didn't want it. And so the person gave up. And so they went and got the pastor's wife. I thought, man, they would have brought the big guns in for me. I don't know. It's like, hey. All right. So she prayed for me and uh, I didn't, you know, I don't want to say I didn't feel anything, experience anything, but I, but I didn't uh, speak in tongues. And so uh, we were leaving that day to go to lunch with another family. They were actually coming to our house. And so they saw Jeff and I respond, and so they said, hey, hey boys, are you want to ride with us? We're going to go to your house for lunch. We said, sure. 
So we jump in the car with that family, and they had, they had been that church a long time. They believed in that. They probably saw our, our hesitation or resistance or, or scared looks on our faces or whatever. What was that? And so we were in the car going to the house, and, and the dad just said, hey, you know what, guys, man? This is a great gift. I'm so excited you guys went up front. Man, it's for everybody. Let's just take a moment and start praying in the Holy Spirit. And so they did, and Jeff and I are just kind of sitting back there looking at each other. Should we fake it? Should we? <laughs> watermelon, banana, watermelon, banana, watermelon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but dabba do. And so, um, no, I'm not trying to make fun of it, but that's just an 11, 12-year-old kid, right? And so he goes, hey, let's just do it individually. We're going to go around the car. And, whoa, what a great idea. And uh, so they did it, and they were coming to my brother, and I'm like, hang in there, Jeff. Don't give in. Don't give in, Jeff. Don't give in. He was first. And he just started opening his mouth and just started, just whatever the, the, the Holy Spirit had just put in there. And uh, then it came to me, and I'm just like, okay, God, honestly, if this is, if this is really you, I, don't, I want it. I, whatever you have. I mean, I'm a kid, right? The, the faith of a child. Sometimes it's easier as a kid than maybe as an adult. And uh, so, man, it came to me, and I just, okay, Lord, just open my mouth and just started letting the heavenly language flow out. That's probably 11 or 12 years old, and I believe it. I live it. I've lived it my entire life since then. I've walked closer with the Lord at times and further away at times, but I believe it. I do. I want to I wanna apologize for that. I won't you know, try and th- say things to get you to like me or turn you off from me or whatever. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I want to share that today because I think it's important for you to, to understand and share the word today and see it in the word. Wherever you've come from, whatever your experience has been, whatever you've seen taught, whatever that is, just wipe the slate clean. Have an open heart today. And just look in the word with me and, and make your decision. And at the, at the end of it, if you don't feel it's for you or whatever, hey, that's fine. That's between you and God. As for me and my house, this is how we live our life. This is what this church is built on. But I do want to say this. If you don't agree with me in that, that's okay. We can still work together to win people for Jesus. Because the most important thing is that you can't get to heaven without Jesus. You can get to heaven without speaking in tongues, and you can get to heaven without being water baptized, but you can't get there without Jesus. So if you don't agree with me on that, that's okay. That's for you and your family. It's a very personal thing. We'll talk about that. But I just want to encourage you to just open up and see what God might have for you today. And um, again, I just think it's such an important part of our life that I can't imagine going a day without that in my life without being able to have that heavenly language and all that it does. And, and not a day goes by that I don't engage with the Holy Spirit in that capacity. And so I just wanted to share that with you because really I think sometimes it's the packaging. And so I've seen it all. I, I just want to tell you, I've seen it all. I've been on staff here for 27 years. I've been walking with the Lord longer than that. And I've been in any kind of meeting, camp meetings, Holy Ghost meetings, revivals, all over you can imagine. I come from a camp and a background that believes in all that for sure. And if you can come up with some crazy thing, I will promise you I have seen it and been in the middle of a meeting with it. Uh, most recently, just to share some more with you, uh, because I think sometimes it turn off the packaging, and I understand that. My wife and I were at some meetings, and we went, and we knew that this night was kind of like a Holy Ghost night, and so and I, like, I like being in that environment. I don't disagree with it, maybe some of the, the way that it's expressed in people, but that's between them and God, and my heart's always, Lord, Lord, I want everything you have. I don't want to judge what anybody else is doing. It's not about, that, that, let them, that between them and you, but for me, I want everything you have. I don't want pride or I don't want embarrassment or I don't want fear to keep me from having whatever you have. And I, again, I've seen some crazy things. And if other people are getting blessed by it, I'm like, man, bless them more, Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we're wanting me and things are just fixing to get really crazy. And my wife, I'm sitting on the aisle. She looks at me and says, it's just me. says, I have to go to the bathroom. And I said, no, you don't. And she says, no, I, I need to go to the bathroom. I said, no, you don't. You're not coming back. You're going to leave and not come back, aren't you? And she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right there. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I made her. I wouldn't let her out. Wouldn't let her out. You know, moving around so she couldn't get by me. And it was too far. Too many other people to go the other way. 
And, uh, and it's just one of those things that you just don't know what's happening, going to happen. And, but we never, and can I just say it this way? We never judge that. We're just like, God, we want everything you have. I, whatever they're doing, let them do. And if that's blessing them, fine. And, and okay, and that kind of thing. I just, I want to share that. And uh, then one meeting, we were on the aisle. And the, the speaker was on the floor. And he was really getting after it and praying for people. And he came out around the corner. And I knew he's coming for me. Oh my gosh, he's coming for me. Lord, forgive me of every sin I've ever committed in Jesus' name. Lord, help me. And uh, he came around the corner, came over to me, looked at me, and he wound up his hand like this, and he went, and to hit me in the stomach. And he rolled back, and I blocked it. I went, no, what are you doing? I was like, what are you doing? And, uh, and I said, I blocked his punch. I did. I blocked his punch right there for the stomach. And, and I was like, God, I don't know if you wanted him to punch me in the face, but the devil's wanting me to punch him in the throat right now. I don't know what that's about. I, know, I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but my wife does. I'm going to sick Jessamy on him in just a second. I'm going to get out of here. And I thought, what? what was that all about? I'm not a fighter. I'm a preacher. All right, get off me. Back off. And, you know, that whole thing was, so I say all that to say, it doesn't change what I believe about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't change one bit, and I still cherish that relationship, and I still love the heavenly language and all that it is. And I know there's some things out there that people do, and that's just between them and God, but I want to share the, the scripture with you today, and let me start by just saying a few things about last week, and I want to encourage you to go back. So we talked about baptism in the message. We, we really dug into the part of the, of the baptism piece. We talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's actually three baptisms that the Bible talks about on your spiritual journey. And then we're all on a journey. And so it begins with the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, into the body of Christ. And so you see that the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the work the Holy Spirit does. And that is the salvation experience. When we get saved and born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. So there is a, a Holy Spirit filling in us that happens in that moment. It recreates our spirit, man. The Bible says to be a new creature in Christ, we're created or recreated in the image of God that's born again, not physically, but spiritually. Therefore, we now can receive everything that God has for us spirit to spirit because God is the spirit. And so he's recreated us and that is our first baptism. And notice that it says, well, the scripture would say this, I shared this last week, into the body of Christ. Now the word baptism is the Greek word baptizo, which means immerse. So that scripture literally means, you can go back from uh, last week and listen to it. Don't have time to go there again today. Baptized into Christ Jesus or in the body of Christ means we're immersed not only in a relationship with Jesus, but in a relationship with the body of Christ. We're immersed into the church. It's not just a salvation thing. If you understand baptize or baptizo, you're not just saved and going to heaven, but you now are to be immersed in a relationship with Jesus and his body. Come on, somebody. Everybody else in the church. That's why you just don't go be a lone ranger somewhere and stay away. You it's not what you were immersed into. The second one is water baptism. We're probably a bit more familiar with that. Just going to the, the experience of being baptized in water. And that is an immersion into the new life where it's, it's the resurrection story. It's the old man going in the grave and the new man coming out. I'm leaving the old things behind. I'm now immersing myself into a new life. And it is the one of the three baptisms that's public. The salvation one is private and personal between you and God. But then on the journey, there's an expectation for then you to go public. That's a very important thing in the Bible, that you, the first stage, first step of your journey is your salvation private with God. The next step is a public expression or immerse your life publicly with other people. 
of who you are now, the new life. And then the third one is, uh, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And so that is an immersion into the presence and power of God. The first experience is different than the third experience. The first one is like, like this, like all of a sudden you get saved and now you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the second or the third experience, if you will, uh, Jesus baptizing into the Holy Spirit is now taking you and throwing a cup of water into a swimming pool. It's immersing you into the presence and power of God. And so there's a difference there, and I think it's important even for us to understand today. And so the Holy Spirit experience is the third step on our spiritual journey. This one, baptism in the Holy Spirit, has an earthly purpose to it. Salvation has an eternal purpose to it, right? You understand that? So you go to heaven because of salvation. You can go to heaven and not be water baptized. You can go to heaven and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know people teach differently. I don't see that in the scripture. You can go to heaven just being saved. That is the only criteria for getting into heaven. But you now have work to do on the earth. So it's important for you to publicly declare whose you are, immersing yourself into the new life, and then immerse yourself into the presence and power of God to do what God has put you here to do. You'll need power beyond your normal power to live the life and make the difference God intended for you. Normal doesn't cut it anymore. It doesn't. You need a power greater than yourself and that comes from the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the aspect of the Holy Spirit that really, because most of you would say, I get it, I hear you. So let's talk about the aspect that most people really are the ones that have a hang up on. And I, I get because maybe we haven't been taught or taught this way. Maybe we've seen it being abused. And we're going to talk about the tongues piece. So we're talking about speaking in tongues today. There is a gift of tongues. We mentioned last week that God gives a gift of tongues. That is what happens in a moment and someone speaks out, and I'll talk about that in a minute, the gift of tongues that has to be interpreted. The scripture says, the public expression, it has to be interpreted. But there's also a grace of tongues or a grace for a heavenly language that's for everybody. And we need to understand that because we lump it all together and we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because we've seen the gift or the public piece abuse, we turn away from the private or the grace gift, which is for everybody. We need to understand the difference there because I think a lot of us are missing out on this third baptism experience. So there's a grace gift of tongues. So the message or the gift from God is given and it needs to be interpreted, the Bible says, but there is a prayer language that is not from God to us, but from us to God, if you will, I'll show you that in a minute. And the scripture is very clear that you can pray in tongues. And so uh, we're talking about the prayer language, not the gift. I, I just, this week I was uh, with my wife at Ross, which rarely happens. I hate to shop. And so I don't know how she finagled me to go to Ross with her, but I'm just following her as every man does and bothering her so she doesn't shop long, right? Just walking behind her. Do you need that? You really need that way. And so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, she's probably praying in tongues at that point. But across the aisle, on the other side of the aisle, there was this mom pushing a baby in a cart. And, the, and you could hear the little baby, and it was just like chattering, you know, not really making sense. It wasn't really any words, but it was just blah, 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 you know, just talking, talking nonstop. And then every once in a while, I'd hear the mom say, oh, you want a snack? Okay, honey, let me get you a snack. And then blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, let me get you your cup, your sippy cup, and all this stuff. And I thought, right there, we're not talking about this, but right there is the gift of tongues in that child and the gift of interpretation in that mother. And I tell you, I don't know, moms, I don't know how you do it, moms. Every mom has the gift of interpretation, I think. I don't know how you do it, but that's not what we're talking about. But there's a difference because we're talking about, I had no idea what was happening there, but there's a grace gift for all of us. So let me give you three things about speaking in tongues. Number one, it's scriptural. It is scriptural. 
You cannot deny it. It is in the Bible numerous places. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Here's what it says. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to me. No, you speak to God. You're speaking in tongues, you're speaking to God. Nobody else is supposed to understand it. That's just crazy gibberish, man. No one knows what you're talking about. That's right, it's not for you. It's for me to God. I'm speaking to God. It is my prayer language to God, not God speaking to me in the gift, if you will, that needs to be interpreted, the public expression. It's me privately speaking to God. And I don't care if you understand it or not. I don't really care if I understand it or not. Because it's my spirit praying and speaking to God, the Bible says. You're speaking to God. So he speaks in a a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. For no one understands him. And let let me talk about that for a second. He speaks to God. He who speaks in a tongue speaks to God in the spirit. Paul is talking about speaking in tongues. He talks about speaking in the spirit, and he says it's to God. Who then are we to judge what somebody is speaking to God? It's not, you're not going to understand it. It's not to you or for you. It's speaking to God. Uh, let's take a look. A couple verses down. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding, hold on to that word, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, talking about Paul, my spirit prays, but my understanding, another translation for understanding, in fact, 21 out of 24 times, understanding is translated mind. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My mind does not understand it. And that's part of our biggest problem because our mind wants to understand everything we're doing. And the challenge that God has is to bypass our mind because if we can't understand it, we won't believe it. But let me tell you something. Our mind is way too small to comprehend the bigness and vastness of our God. What mind can, what I can see, what ear has heard, how great, what mind can comprehend, how big our God is. And if you want your God to fit in the box of your mind, you are missing who God is. God is much bigger than my mind. I don't want to bring him down to my mind's size. Don't bring God down to the size of your mind. Don't do that. God's so much bigger than that. And your mind will wrestle with you because it doesn't understand. So God had to bypass your mind because your mind will talk you out, logic you out, reason you out of the things of God. Because God operates in a different level than we do. And he wants to empower us to operate that way. So your mind is not going to understand it. Verse 15 says this. What is the conclusion then? So what do we do with this? Well, I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. Hey, I'll just do both. I'll pray in the understanding with words I know and understand. And then when I don't know what to pray anymore, I'll just pray in the spirit. Because my spirit, man, is talking to God. And the Bible says when you pray from your spirit to God's spirit, you're praying God's perfect will or you're praying a perfect prayer. I can't tell you how many times I came across situations, especially as a pastor. I just don't know what to pray in this situation. I'll go to the hospital and the ICU somebody and the doctor's report and I'll look at the person and the machines and the family's just broken. Can I just tell you, I don't know what to pray in that moment. I'll just pray in the Holy Spirit between me and God and then I'll listen. If he speaks to me, then I'll pray something with my understanding. There's times things happen in your life in the moment you don't even know how to pray. I don't even what happened. I don't even know how to pray. Just pray in the Holy Spirit. There's your spirit man praying to God. There's countless times that we just don't even know how to pray or we're praying with understanding but we're not praying what we should be praying. 
And so we need to understand that, that don't let those be limitations. So Paul says, hey, I'm going to do both. I'm going to pray in the spirit, meaning I'm going to pray in other tongues, and I'm going to pray and with my understanding. Hey, listen, I'm just reading the word of God. <laughs> so, I mean, I have a little tension, a little pushback here, right? I don't have any problem with you, but you argue with the author. <laughs> Paul penned it, but it was divinely inspired and breathed, the word says, by God. God is the author through the Holy Spirit. So I'm okay. You take that up with him. I'm just reading, I'm reading the Bible as it is. And I will sing with the Spirit, with the Spirit, in the Spirit, with tongues. And I will also sing in the understanding. Hey, can I tell you, when I go to Mexico, I don't know Spanish. I just, I just sing in tongues. I sing in the Spirit. I'm believing one day it's going to be Spanish, but I'm just trying. I'm believing, you know, I'm going to believe that one day. I'm just praying there. I'm just singing that. Come on, it builds build you up. We'll talk about it in a second. I'm just doing that. Just praying that. I will pray in the Spirit. I will sing in the Spirit. I'll pray in my understanding. I'll sing in the understanding. Verse 16 says this, otherwise, if you bless, bless is another word for prayer, right? You're going to bless the food. Let's pray for the food. If you bless with the spirit, pray in the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks or your prayer since he does not understand what you say? What benefit is it those who have an understanding are trying to think of natural things? What does it benefit anybody else? Goes on to say this then in verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well but the other is not, is not edified. That means if you're praying in the spirit, it's for you. It doesn't benefit anybody else. It's not for somebody else. We're not talking about the gift. We're talking about the grace. Are you with me? They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's for. Somebody else in that word, um, uh, can we go back guys to uh, 17? Um, there says, but the other is not edified, meaning the other is not built up, is what it means, or strengthened. So it's not for anybody else. Are you getting that? It's not to build up and strengthen anybody else. That's between me and God. That's that grace gift. Now, Paul says if you pray in tongues, people aren't going to understand you. Nonetheless, you can pray in tongues. And Paul calls it praying with the Spirit. Verse 2 called it praying in the Spirit. So let's take a look now at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Let's jump down one more verse. So Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. He was from South Israel. I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. So Paul says, he's like, hey, I pray in the spirit and I'll pray in my understanding, but I thank God I pray in the spirit a lot. So Paul says, goes on to say this then in verse 19. He says, yet in the church, listen, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that everybody could understand, that I may teach others 10,000 words in a tongue that they're not going to understand. We're talking about the grace for every individual to pray in a heavenly language to God. Not about what we see as this public expression that can be used or abused sometimes or misinterpreted. It's different. It's not what we're talking about here. And I just think sometimes we just need to read the Bible the way it was written. I mean, it's throughout there. It's all in there. Not the way we want to hear it based on an opinion that we formed or someone else's experience. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Prophesy is just basically saying what God's saying. And listen, and listen to what it says. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Do not forbid. Oh, it's not right. We shouldn't allow it. Let's not allow it in the church. Let's not allow it here. That's not right. Can I tell you, some of us probably came from churches that forbid it. How? The Bible says don't forbid it. Are you reading the same Bible? Don't forbid it. Don't forbid it in your life. It's not wrong. It's, it's for every believer. 
don't forbid it. People try and forbid it. Some try and then some try and get crazy with it. As it goes on to say in verse 40, for all of you Pentecostal running, <laughs> running the aisles, jumping around, <laughs> let all things be done decently and in order. And you know what Paul's basically saying? Don't keep it out, but don't get crazy with it. But we either are on one extreme or the other because we don't understand what he's talking about here. So we'll just eliminate it. And he says, don't forbid it. Or we'll get over the top and swing the pendulum on the other side and get crazy with it when we just saw what Paul said about in the church. What does it do anybody any good if you do all that? So, number one, it's scriptural. Number two, it's a benefit. It's a benefit. 1 Corinthians 14.4, here's what it says. He who speaks in a tongue edifies, there's our word, builds up, strengthens himself. It's for me. I'm going to speak in tongues, pray in tongues. I did it before I even got up here to build myself up, to strengthen myself. But he who prophesies or speaks with the understanding edifies the church. Understand what what I'm trying to explain to you. The scripture draws a difference between tongues or that private, personal language, if you will, heavenly prayer language, and then a public event, a public thing. Speaking in tongues edifies you. Speaking with understanding edifies the church. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself or builds himself up. And can I say, what's wrong with that? Why do we look on people that speak with tongues as like, crazy dude, maybe they're just building themselves up. Did you hear that person over there praying under their breath of the Holy Spirit? Don't get away from that guy. Maybe that guy had the worst day of his life and is praying to build himself up. What is wrong with building yourself up? Can I tell you, I still need to be built up. I haven't arrived, and I have yet to come across somebody that says, I'm good pastor, I'm built up to the top, man. I am overflowing. I got so much built up in me, take some from me. I have yet to come across that person that can't use any more building up because they've been built up all they can be built up. Can I tell you, this world sucks the life out of you. Your marriage needs to be built up. You need to be built up. Your body needs to be built up. Your soul needs to be built up. Your your teenagers, your kids, every single day. What is wrong with that? You know what the Bible also says? Reading the word builds you up. Are we going to get rid of that too? Reading the Bible builds you up. Praying in your heavenly prayer language builds you up. What's wrong with that? Are we going to get rid of that as well? We're talking about a private and public, praying in a prayer language in private. But in public, you ought to say words people can understand. You know, th- that's really the summation of all of 1 Corinthians 14. It's not saying, listen, it's not saying don't build yourself up in private. I'm not saying that. My wife and I, about two years ago, we went, uh, maybe a little bit longer, we went to uh, Northeast Methodist. Uh, some friends of ours, a friend of ours was in the, uh, had to go into the ER emergency room. And so we were visiting with the family, then the family went back, and so we were out in the waiting room. There's probably 15 other people in there, 12, 15 other people sitting in there, and obviously they're all waiting for family, or maybe they're waiting to get in or something. And then these two gentlemen walked in, no disrespect here, I don't even know who they are, where they're from, from another church came in, and they're walking around people, seeing, talking to people, seeing if anybody needed any prayer. And one lady that was sitting over by herself said, yes, please pray for me. And so they had her stand up, which is fine, and they started praying, and they started praying in tongues as loud as they could. And I'm like, in the, I'm like in the waiting room, and that was like freaking me out a little bit. It's like, okay, well, well. and I believe that. I pray in the Holy Spirit. 
But they were praying in tongues as loud as they could, and I fell for that, for that poor lady standing there, and they were just going for it, almost yelling it. And I almost said to my wife and said, what good are they doing? They're freaking everybody out. <laughs> the lady's probably, why'd they say yes? Why'd they say yes? Why'd they say yes? Why'd they say yes? But I know everybody else in the ER was ready to leave or go back in the room. Can you take me back there now? I think I need some help, <laughs> right? And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm meaning they missed this part here, but we package it all that way. And we'll sit there, somebody will sit there in that waiting room and think, it's one of those crazy tongue talker people. I don't want anything to do with that. And I'm thinking, what? No, that's not what it's about. But we lump it in there and we throw it all in in one entire thing. It's not that. It, it, it's, a, it's a benefit. It's a benefit. And you need to, to build ourselves up. Paul said in the spirit, and he said I was, it was referring to tongues. So let's take a look at Ephesians 6 real quick. Ephesians 6, for those who do not know, is a passage of scripture that talks about putting on the armor of God. How important it is to put on the armor of God to stand against the assignment or the attacks of the enemy. We'll wrestle not against flesh and blood. And it talks about putting on the armor of God. And look at what it says in verse, and you can read that starting with verse 10 all the way through verse 18. But we're just going to start in verse 17 for time's sake. And it says this, and take the helmet of salvation. It talks about the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the, the shoes of peace. It talks about all that. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, semicolon, meaning this thought is not over yet. And then it goes on to verse 18, supplication. What's the next E? Because it didn't start a new sentence or a new thought praying always with all prayer and supplication. What's the next three words? In the spirit. It's part of your armor to stand against the assignment of the enemy. We need to put on the armor of God, and we'll do it. We'll put on the helmet of salvation. We'll get our shield of faith, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We'll get our feet shod with the preparation of peace. But listen, we'll stop without the full armor, the sword of the spirit. And then what about the part that says, and then pray in the spirit? It's part of your armor benefit, building you up, strengthening you. And it's part of your armor to stand against the assignment. Some of us are powerless. And we're fighting fights that we should already have the victory over, but we don't know how to arm ourselves properly. Because we've lumped the whole tongues thing in with something else that we've seen abused or we don't understand it or misused. And that's what the enemy wants to do because he, if he can't get you, if he can't keep you from getting saved, he wants to get you powerless on this earth so you can't get anybody else, reach anybody else. And so some of us are living a powerless Christianity because we have equated tongues with some crazy thing that God never intended for it to be. And so some of us are walking out of powerless Christianity. Oh, we're going to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. But he's got so much for you to do here on the earth while you're here. And he's giving you the power to do that. Verse 18 says, in the spirit, pray in the spirit. So, okay, you add 1 Corinthians 14, praying in the spirit is praying in a prayer language. Take a look at Jude 20 real quick. Got to go, Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. There's our word, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Add that to 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. You see it in scripture. So we need to build ourselves up. How do we do that? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Nobody else has to be around. In fact, this most of the time nobody is. You know, I, I, I think that this is a big deal. I think this is a bigger deal. I think the more and more that we're living in a world that we, we had this a small group at our house the other night. We talked about uh, this around the table, how prevalent uh, mental health issues, um, depression, um, things like that are, are more and more in the world we live in, of course, because our world's just more and more out of control. And there's so much disappointment, so much discouragement, there's so much depression, there's so much loss, there's so much grief. 
There's so much sadness, sorrow, you name it. There's so much more of that. Can I tell you, if the Bible says that praying in the Holy Spirit, that heaven and language builds yourself up, maybe it's part of the answer. Maybe it's part of the answer. I won't say that that's in its entirety, and I'm all for counseling, and I'm all for people that have been gifted and called to do those type of things and helping you process. I'm all for a support system. I'm all for even in some medication that will help you just get a grip or, or help you come to a place of stability, get your feet under you. But I'm telling you that we can't eliminate this because just maybe this is part of our answer. It builds you up. And so much is happening in this world today. We need the Holy Spirit so desperately Maybe one way to change what's going on inside of us emotionally, mentally, soulishly is the Holy Spirit. If he builds us up and edifies us. And so people will say this, I'd love to do that, but I don't have the gift. I hear you, Pastor. I'd love to do that, but I don't have the gift. And people will say, well, if God, and I've heard this so many times, when God decides to give me the gift, he can give it to me. The only problem with that is we're not talking about a gift. We're talking about grace for all believers. So all believers can pray. We're talking about that gift. We already delineated between the two, differentiated between them. It's scriptural and it's a benefit. Let me give you the third one. It's a choice. It's a choice. God's not going to force it on you. He's not going to possess you to do this or anything like that. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15 says this. For, listen to the word, the second word here. For if, if, what does that mean? It's your choice. If you choose to or if you choose not to. Okay, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15. So what is the conclusion there? Look in this. I will. I will. So I will. Or so I choose to do it. It's a choice. I will uh, pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I'm going to choose to do both. I'll sing in the spirit. I'll sing in the... It's your choice. You choose to do it. I have a choice whether I do this or not. God gave you a will. And Paul says, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. And he made a choice to do both. It's a decision you make. You have a choice. Let me say it this way. You won't be in H-E-B one day at the checkout counter. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fall on you and you go in a trance and you grab that microphone and you start speaking in tongues over the whole entire grocery store. And let me say this, if you do, do not say you're from Tree of Life. They already think we're crazy. They think we handle snakes because we're across from the snake farm. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to, that's that gift and that gift's not going to happen. You can choose to operate in the gift even if you want to. And this, I heard these illustrations too. Uh, it's like the gift of giving. It's like if you walk out here today and you walk by one of those offering boxes, all of a sudden the gift is not going to overcome you and a check's going to fly out of your pocket, right? And write it out. The gift of giving has come upon me. And if it does, make it a large gift. Go big or go home. <laughs> I'm going to pray that that gift falls. No, I'm just kidding. The gift of teaching is not going to come on you and H-E-B and you start teaching on... Attention, everybody, just Leviticus 5, if you wouldn't mind, just Leviticus 5 for just a minute. What you should eat and what you should not eat. <laughs> the bottom dwellers, you don't eat. Get away from the catfish and the shrimp and all that. It's, I mean, that sounds kind of silly, but that's our mentality. We're not talking about that. It's your choice. It's your choice. We're talking about the grace for everyone to have a heavenly language. And let me say this. Why would Paul give instruction in 1 Corinthians 14 on how and when to do it 
if it's uncontrollable? Why would he tell us how and when to operate in it if we had no control over it? This doesn't make any sense. Scriptural, your choice. You can pray in a prayer language, it's up to you. And since it's scriptural, and since it builds you up or edifies you, since it's part of your armor, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, but it sounds funny, and I don't understand it. Of course you don't. The Bible says that you won't, but God will. And that's between you and God. And here's what I know some people are afraid. Some people are afraid of spiritual things. Some people are taught that way. That's a cult. I hear that, I hear that all the time. It doesn't bother me. That's a cult. In fact, we had that big concert with a, a bunch of youth groups coming, a back-to-school thing, and we had actually some people from a church, and no disrespect there, but they wouldn't send their kids. And the reason why, and this is what we heard from their youth pastor, is because some of the parents think that this is a cult over here. Okay. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I, I get that. There's nothing to be afraid of, though. Take a look at Luke 11. Luke 11, verse 11 says this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Look at this next verse. If you then, being evil, you evil humans that have a propensity to sin, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's not going to give you something bad for you. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to be afraid of what God has. It's just that we don't understand it. Maybe we haven't been taught this or we haven't been taught this way or taught right. Maybe we've seen some abuses that really aren't even in the Bible. But listen, you have nothing to be afraid of. How much more will God in heaven give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? People struggle with that sometimes because I think they just don't understand it. But listen, God must, must have known people would say that. That's why it was written that way. And as Paul said this, if I pray in the spirit, my spirit prays. Let me say this. Maybe it's time that we let our spirit pray more. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's time we let our spirit that is in communion with God's spirit, that prays a perfect prayer, that bypasses the the shortcomings, the, the, the ceilings of our mind. Maybe it's time that we allow, in the world we live in the day when there's nothing that we don't even know how to pray or say, maybe it's time we let our spirit pray more. Maybe it's time that we surrender some and let our spirit man pray. You know, it's by faith. You get in the presence of God, and when you feel that connect in the presence of God, you open your mouth in faith, and you just yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to, like a ventriloquist dummy, take your tongue and just come in and do that. You, you choose. You step out there. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I'm closing with this scripture. I didn't give it to the guys for the notes, and so you can write that down. Oh, they, they put it up there. Look at this, that first line. I wish you all spoke, in, I spoke with tongues. That's what Paul says. Paul says, I, I mean, I'm presenting this to you, but I wish you all spoke in tongues. Can I say as your pastor, I wish you all spoke in tongues. And even if you don't call this church home and you don't call me your pastor, maybe you don't after today, I wish you all, if you never come back, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Because it's scriptural. Because it's a benefit. It builds you up and edifies you. And you need that because it's part of the armor of God. And we're in a fight. And we need power greater than our own. Because we need it. I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's my heart and my prayer for everybody here. You have to learn to trust God. Let your spirit pray. Open up in faith. It's a choice. It's part of who God created us to be. See, we need all three. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Some stop right at that first step. 
a salvation experience, but you need to take the next step and be immersed in that new life with a public expression. You know what you need to do? You need to gather. If you haven't done that, or maybe things are landing on you different now, you're making a different commitment and you want to go back and do it again, invite all your family, all your friends you possibly can next Sunday, and we're going to do water baptism after each service. Normally we do after second, we're doing after each service, and get out there and take step two. You need step two. And then I'm hoping today and next week or last week or next weeks to come that you'll open up and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Take all three on your journey. Don't stop short. God wants you to fulfill all three baptisms. Because they're great things for you and for your family, for your life, to fulfill what he has. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.